0: Spawn on me is the premier podcast spotlighting people of color. Every week, we talk news, what we've been playing, and tell you who's invited to the cookout. Our show is all about talking about gaming through a prism of blackness because we are the culture. Welcome to Brooklyn, y'all. What the deal be, everybody? What the deal be? This is Spawn on me with Khalif Adams. This is episode three fifty two of our show. I hope you are doing really, really well. I hope you're all rocking and chilling and hanging out and doing your thing. Um, first of all, I gotta say massive love to you all for coming through this afternoon and this evening. Uh, I want you all to understand how dope you are in every single way. I am having a wonderful week. Just got a chance to finish up spending uh, my weekend, my birthday weekend uh, with my wife over at the Oregon coast. Had a chance to go hang out there uh, because our birthdays are in between. Uh, August 24th. And hers is coming up in a couple of days. Uh, But super excited to be rocking with you all tonight. We have a lot of cool news to talk about. Mad energy in the chat already. Massive love to everybody who's already come through here in podcast land, here in spawn on me land, here in Bracago, here in Twitch land. Of course, we have good stuff to talk about. If you missed our reunion show of our lesson in blackness, you need to go check that out. You need to go listen to that show. Again, massive love to Zombie Kills, to Cameron Hawkins, to Blessing Adeoye Jr., to Paris Lily, to Pikachu Lita for coming through, rocking super hard in the chat, hanging out and doing that work with us and and making a wonderful show uh, for all of us to be able to see together. Uh, So we have some really big news to, to spring on you all right off the bat. We got some real cool stuff to talk about that you don't want to miss. I'm going to get right into it. We've had some really lovely amounts of folks being able to rock with us um, and share good news and share good information with us. If you've been following our show, you know, that we were uh, recently sponsored by Reebok master love out to them, Master love. Uh, to everybody else who's been working with us behind the scenes to make sure that you have dope things to listen to and dope things to rock with. I have to say, I am really excited about this news that we're about to share with you right about now. Um, This is something that's taken a minute to come together. I am very excited about it. This is something that we are breaking new ground in terms of the podcasting game, especially in the video game podcasting space. Um, It is super, super dope uh, to be able to rock with some really cool people in the space. I'm going to play some music. I'm going to play some music because we need to bring this up. We need to get some vibes in here for this joint. We got to get some vibes for this, for this joint right now. We got to get some love in the chat. Thank you, mad love to Jake for the sub. Yo, we got to get the vibes in here good. We got to get the music up. We got to make sure it sounds good. Uh, let's go. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I am super excited and really excited, really happy uh, to talk about the new folks who are sponsoring the Spawn on Me podcast for the month of September. Shout out to one of the biggest esports teams on the planet, sponsoring the Spawn on Me podcast. None other than the amazing folks over at Team Liquid are now sponsoring spawn on me we got to give it up to them mad love to them for coming through we make moves here in Bracago. mad love to y'all right now massive love the team liquid in the chat right now i see you fam i see y'all getting it in i see you thank you so much for coming through and helping us launch this wonderful thing that is about to happen for the month of september for sure yo first time ever happening in the space we got the dope folks from team luke coming through rocking with us right now check out that beautiful marvel collection they are celebrating their one year partnership anniversary so we are excited to be doing big things with them making sure that we rock with them in a real way Uh, and you know what I'm saying? We gotta, we gotta rep the Team Liquid gear. The Marvel collection is looking real nice on your Boy, it's looking real good. Look at it on that beautiful skin. Look at that beautiful business right there. Oh my goodness. Let's go. Shout out again to the Team Liquid fam for coming through, uh, for repping Brocago in a real way. I have to say when we talked about making this happen and making this become a thing, yo. I, I was blown away by their support. I was blown away by their understanding of what we do here in Brocago. Um, I think it has been amazing to see a huge brand like Team Liquid say, hey, we see what you were doing in the space. We believe in what you're doing in this space. Um, and we want to uh, make sure that we're giving them some love. So if you wanna rock with us doing big things with Team Liquid and Spawn On Me, make sure you hit exclamation point Liquid in the chat uh and make sure you check out the dope stuff that is going to be happening. I'm going to throw it in the chat right now actually. Uh to get to give some stuff right there. Go to tl.gg/store to check out more of their wonderful gear. Uh to use the word code spawn for uh, a checkout to get a discount. Check out tl.gg/marvel if you want to see more joints in the Marvel collection. Yo mad dope stuff that's happening with us in Bracago. So I got to say again, much love to you all Team Liquid fam. It is wonderful to build this out with you all to do really cool things, with you all in this space um, and to bring something very, very new to the gaming industry in this kind of collaboration with a gaming podcast. And we hope to continue to do really dope things with you all uh, throughout the rest of our time together. So month of September, they're going to be sponsoring each and every one of our episodes of Spawn on Me. Uh, so make sure you give them love in the chat. Make sure you go kick some joints uh, uh, and, and buy some gear uh, and rep. The Marvel stuff is super fly too. I said fly because I'm old, but yo, it's dope. This joint got the hoodie on in. This joint is silky smooth. I can't do it because I got the headphones on. Oh no, I joint fits over the headphones like this. Y'all be chilling here doing the podcast. Look at Matt smooth like this. I'm going like this to the side. Look at that joint right there. And I go to the other side. You can only see my eyeball. The joint is dope. Fire. That was mad loud in my microphone fire. I'm just saying super dope stuff. We got, uh, if you also, again, thank you uh, to the wonderful folks over at team liquid for sponsoring us, uh, for the month of September. Uh, again, everybody in Chicago give them some love for sure. This week, we have a really good show. We have some really cool, uh, content for you, especially if you are a fan of the Netflix high score documentary. Uh, we had, a really great interview with the, with the director on that piece uh, Melissa wood who who came through and and rocked with us um and and chilled with us and talked about the documentary we talked a lot about um we talked a lot about the um Jerry Lawson uh parts of that movie uh if you're familiar with Jerry Lawson again he's the person who uh, help to make the cartridge that we all understand is a huge component to what we've seen in the gaming industry forever. Um, so, you know, that's the thing that you definitely have to check out. Uh, there was also a really fantastic part in that documentary around Gordon Bellamy, who is a person who I had a chance to interview at some point back at the, uh, Blacks Gaming GDC, uh, Fireside Chats a couple years ago. He's, he's amazing and fantastic and brilliant. Uh, so we got a chance to talk about All those things for sure. Again, I see the chat has blown up. People are bugging out in the chat. People are going wild. I'm excited for all that information and all that heat and all that energy right now that's happening. Super, super cool. I hope that they can figure out a way to get some Black Panther gear. Uh, Again, rest in peace to Chadwick Boseman, uh, who, you know, amazing actor, amazing human being, um, would love to see Marvel and Team Liquid combine to do some Black Panther gear it would be pretty, pretty damn epic to see that thing happen. So we're going to go and uh, take a peek at the uh, high score documentary uh, that we had a chance to record a little bit earlier in the week. Uh, after that, we'll take a quick break. We'll do a, a quick ad spot. And then after that, we'll come back with a little bit of the 411 and a little bit of what we've been playing. So everybody in the chat, spend some time hit those links make sure you give team liquid some ch- some love here on on twitch and also on social media shout at them on twitter tell them that you love this deal tell them that you love that this is happening and give them some love uh everywhere that you possibly can so we're going to check out this interview we'll be right back after this on um, Hey everybody, we have a very special guest with us here in Chicago on the Spawn of Me podcast. I have been enjoying the hell out of the high score documentary over on Netflix. Of course, we as a gaming podcast love to be able to talk about the the history of the industry in lots of different ways. And we have Melissa Wood, who is one of the directors of that documentary on the show with us today. Melissa, how are you doing? How's everything going?
1: I'm doing great. I'm I'm really excited about the reception for the series and it was an incredible project to work on and it's been so rewarding that um people seem to be enjoying it so I'm
0: I'm 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 hyped to have you on for a couple of different reasons because one I am a a big fan of nostalgia I love Mm -hmm. talking about and finding other people who have you know, done that work of digging deep into the history of the gaming industry. I'm curious about how you got attached to this project. Was this a thing that you were like, I've wanted to always tell the story. This is a a conversation I've always wanted to see.
1: Well, I have to share the credit um, for the, for the, genesis of this um series with my creative partner France costrell mm. um she actually uh, a great big story they did a series of um short docs uh, about the video game industry called 8-bit legacy which actually went on to win um an emmy um and um she and our other executive partner courtney coop sort of saw the potential for uh, exploring these stories, saw that there were so many other gaming stories and and creators that had n- their stories had not been told and felt like it really could go to long form. So they went to Netflix and, and pitched it. And Franz and I had previously worked together on another series uh, for Showtime called Darknet, which is about sort of, it's a very different tone. I did see it's that. About,
0: that was awesome.
1: Yeah, so, So slight different tone, um, but basically has to do with how technology is changing the way we live for the for the worse. Um, (laughs) This is a nice way to sort of still explore technology, but to celebrate technology and also um, to bring in this nostalgia, which, um, you know, I think especially now with the times that we're living in, and obviously we couldn't foresee uh, what would happen in 2020. Um, but I think um, nostalgia is like a comforting blanket that you can just sort of forget about the world for a little bit. And so um, it is is—it is nice that for at least a few hours, maybe people can watch our show and um, kind of forget about what's going on and then, deal with it in a couple
0: of hours. Yeah, I, I, I'm i happy you shared that because it was that for me, like uh, getting to yeah. run through the series and feeling like it was besides the fact that I've been gaming for pretty much all of my life, um, getting to see the stories kind of come back about things that I remembered from my childhood of, you know, yeah. remembering the first time I got a chance to play on a Street Fighter uh, cabinet or Remembering when I got my my Atari for the first time, and then like seeing those small snippets of of footage was fantastic. But I think the thing that pulls it all together is not just the the kind of nostalgic pieces around the 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 hardware, which we usually kind of see. We see those stories happen often about the Genesis, literal Genesis of the Genesis, <laughs> and, and things like that. But but the the stories of the 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 the, the people behind those particular uh, uh, games and consoles and, and, and iconic figures that we saw in the space. When you started to go through the process of trying to pick who you wanted to focus on in, in, in the documentary, what was the kind of thought process around, like who were the folks that you wanted to pick for this?
1: Yeah, well, we knew that we wanted to have a variety of perspectives on mm-hmm. the, the gaming industry. So not just, the the programmer. Um, But we wanted to have the composer who creates music that influences the way we interact with the game and the way we feel when we're when we're uh, entering a space or uh, a painter whose images has made the immersion so much more, you know, or, you know, we just wanted to we didn't want it to be a series of vignettes that repeated each other or the, all the well-known stories that we were would be rehashing kind of what people already know. We just really felt like we needed to approach uh, the history of video games in a fresh way um, to show different perspectives. Um, we did try to be um, inclusive and, you know, bring in underrepresented, uh, you know, contributors to the industry. as well. Um, And that's been something that people have talked about a lot. Um, And I'm so, so grateful that people are talking about it. Um, You know, I wish we had done, you know, in some ways, when we finished the series, I felt like we had fallen short of the mark. So it's interesting to hear that people talk about it so much. and, And it shows me that there's uh that the bar is pretty low and that more <laughs> needs to be done um in the video game history. um but um yeah we just wanted it to we we wanted the show to feel immersive and engaging and surprising and that meant showing it from as many different viewpoints as we possibly could
0: yeah it's it's interesting that you shared the conversation about the, the of course the lack of diversity and the lack of those stories being told in, in yeah. real ways it's it's it is weirdly, you know, like, I, I think about it often because our show is is the foundation of that is is doing some of that work in a podcast yeah. form, right? And I think mm-hmm. what I'm always surprised at is the, the constant refrain that I hear about, oh, I never knew that. And that part to me is mm-hmm. always troubling because it's one of those things where it's just mm-hmm. like, we're just so bad in this industry of like telling our own stories and then especially telling the stories of folks who are kind of on the periphery and haven't had their chance of the, yeah. their day in the sun. Um, it makes Jerry me actually...
1: Lawson is a perfect example. I mean, Jerry Lawson, there's so many people who still don't know his story. We actually did some digging, you know, to, to find it. Um, and it, you know, it's, it's baffling.
0: Yeah. It's, it's funny because there's a, there's a lot of conversations that often happen uh, in the gaming industry and especially from the community often where, um, uh, you know, speaking directly from our community, the, the African-American community, the conversation has been about like, you know, we want more representation. We'd love to see more characters who look like us. We want to see more people in higher uh, prominent places look like us. And the, and the retort usually to that conversation is, well, what have you contributed to the space uh, in the, in the grand scheme of the conversation? I'm like, if you understood the story of Jerry Lawson, Half the people who were complaining about that things wouldn't even have the consoles they have today without Jerry. Um, so, so, so it's fantastic to see you all dig into that with his family and Karen and, Mm -hmm. um, and, and it really pulled together this beautiful moment of, 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 um, all of the loss uh, children Mm -hmm. and, and, and the young child in that, in that group, seeing the history kind of come to fruition through their eyes and through their memories and through that stuff. I'm curious about what that, what those days were like when you filmed that stuff. Cause I, cause those things are hard. Those are not easy pieces to one kind of pull back up of like, here are some memories that, you know, of your, 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 your family member that passed away, but the uh, ability to humanize that space in a way that feels genuine to uh, not only them and their vibe, but to the the legacy and memory of Jerry. I'm I'm curious to hear your thoughts about, about that.
1: Well, I have to give credit to our, our director, Sam Lacroix for filming that and our co-producer, Alex Miller, who um, worked with the family directly. Um, so I, I can't speak for how they felt about it, mm. but I know that they were from the very beginning really on board with telling the story because they are proud of their father's work. He contributed an amazing amount, uh, you know, an, an amazing uh, amount to the video game industry. And his story is still largely unknown. Um, so they were totally on board for for sharing anything they could um, about Jerry Lawson. Um, and I haven't actually, I, you know, I haven't reached out to them to see what they think of the show, um, but I think putting it together, uh, you know, we use the animation to tell his story Um, and we had amazing art directors who we would edit the sound together and, and then say, can you create the visuals for this? And there was, um, something just amazing when we open with Jerry Lawson removing something and we see his face sort of peering into this, um, cabinet with, you know, electrical cords and stuff. Um, to see him come to life because we didn't really know how we were going to visualize the story. Jerry Lawson's no longer with us. We're going to film with his family, but how are we going to connect with this person who made this amazing contribution? So I really have to give it up also to our art director who, um, animated that scene, because I feel like in that moment, he really became a person who Mm. you uh, identify with and who you understood his curiosity and, you know, Um, I don't know. I I was very that to me was the most emotional part of working on that story. It was finally seeing him. um, And it's just too too bad that, you know, he's no longer with us and can't see that, you know, his legacy is being celebrated.
0: Yeah. Again, kudos to to, to the art team because they they, those beautiful animated vignettes that they they kind of pull Mm -hmm. together the story it was it was one mm-hmm. of those things that can go really really weird and cheesy or it can feel like it really hits and it really hit it mm-hmm. was like beautiful yeah. to see um how they brought Jerry to life in those moments and it really did kind of um showcase the the curiosity part of Jerry mm-hmm. in a way that I didn't expect to, to have like actual mm-hmm. hearts and and, and and feels for um, in that space. Cause, uh, you know, we all know of his work, but we don't necessarily know of the man himself that much, but through his kids. Um, yeah, yeah, it was, it was really well done. I think that that part landed really, really, really fantastically. Um, one of the other part, one of the other folks who I specifically was excited to see and was surprised to see because I didn't know that he was in the documentary mm-hmm. was the wonderful friend, Gordon Bellamy, um, who, Again, his, his story is one that doesn't often get told in lots of different ways. Um, what was the, you know, what was the conversation around when you wanted to focus on
1: Gordon? Well, I mean, there's people who create the games, but then there's the people who change the games. And I felt like, obviously the Madden franchise is huge. Um, And so it was important that we covered that. But I think the fact that he brought in players of color into the game was an incredible moment for gaming. It was incredibly symbolic. It was a, you know, a a cultural moment um, that um, was uh, just bigger than the gesture itself. It, It like, so I think that uh, I don't think it can be understated, understated how important that contribution was for Madden. Um, you know, so we just really felt that that was almost as important as the birth of the game itself. Like the birth of the game is fun and incredible and Madden's such an interesting character. And, but, um, but, you know, you're like, well, of, of course, black players should be represented in this game. Um So, and it took a while for, for that to be recognized, but thank goodness there's people like Gordon Bellamy who made that happen. And also he's such a, um, he's just such a philosopher. And I felt like, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's fun to look at games as like amusement and, you know, it's, uh, they're obviously interesting visually and, you know, it's, it's a fun subject, but there's more to them than that. And I think he really spoke to, um, what it means to feel marginalized, but to be able to enter a game and feel like everybody's equal and that he um, took that feeling and made it a reality, you know, for players in the game when it came to Madden.
0: Yeah. I mean, knowing Gordon over the, the past, you know, I've only been in the industry in the podcasting sense for the past six years and getting a chance to know him. He's a pusher. He is a person who is like I don't care. These are walls. I don't see these walls. We will figure out ways around and through these walls in every way possible. Yeah. While being one of the nicest people on the planet, yeah. <laughs> which is, which is again you know a testament to Gordon and his and his beauty and his and his, and his uh, amazingness. Um, yeah. I think one of the things that I really appreciated as well was how you captured not only from a story standpoint his connectedness to the 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 larger Madden franchise and how that did actually f- change the way that we look at sports mm-hmm. games and, and and his love yeah. of football and the love of the sport, but how that energy kind of carried throughout the rest of those uh, of that doc- of that piece of the documentary too. I felt like you all did a fantastic job of connecting energies to mm-hmm. and through uh, the mm-hmm. particular pieces of, of stuff. How important was it to kind of like? keep the, the kind of energy moving through those through each, uh, uh, part of the documentary too. Cause I felt that that was beautifully done.
1: Thank you. Um, well, we really, I mean, we really tried to, um, embrace the energy of the people that we were filming. And mm. as you said, Gordon does have great energy and, you know, I think we, this is a story about creators and creative people, and this is their passion. So I think the fact that we were telling stories about people's passions, um, just being authentic to who they were in the story that they were telling, um, that's what we really tried to, to focus on and felt like if we could be authentic um, in representing the, pe- the people who we were speaking to, um, then it would be something that carries people along with the story.
0: Yeah. I, I think, um, I came away learning a lot too, which is a person who's kind of done this for a while. Like I, I felt that I knew a lot of the mm-hmm. stories and the reasons why, and the the kind of minutia of some of that stuff and, and having friends who, who have actually like gone through some of that stuff, shout out to Mike Micah uh-huh. and the rest of those and most of those. Uh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. like it was really refreshing to actually hear stuff that I didn't know, uh, in the, in those pieces, like the uh, the the woman who uh won the Pac Man Championship. Like her mm-hmm. story was brilliant. It was mm-hmm. awesome to, to to hear her story. Uh and hear yeah. you know, the, the, the comments. Yeah. She was yeah. amazing was so so and she cool. so much
1: that we also didn't include and that was the case for a lot of people that we spoke to. Um mm. you know we wanted to have a lot of different perspectives. We wanted to, you know, um keep things feeling sort of fresh. So we weren't able to, to really give everybody their their due. So Becky Heideman you know, is kind of legendary for her contributions to, 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 to games, not just playing Space Invaders tournament. Um, but we, we thought it was just, you know, we thought, I mean, this is really about the beginning of games. So really, we're interested in sort of hearing about her, you know, her being in the first tournament ever um and hearing about that but there's so much more to her than we were evil even evil able to tell so um yeah there there's and i'm so glad that you feel like you learned something because i think that was one of the most intimidating things about doing this project because we knew that um you know we had a high bar to reach with the gaming crowd like no (laughs) they're gonna be and there are going to be things that people are looking for. And we knew that we wouldn't be delivering to everybody. Um, but we wanted to deliver something that felt different, that felt um, personal, um, that, um, it, you know, was less about the sort of game itself or the technology itself, but more about the creativity and innovation of the people who created this industry um, and from, from various backgrounds and various perspectives. So, um But if people who know a ton about games also learn something, then that is a bonus for us.
0: Yeah, I I mean, again, like I remember the first time I saw like there's a section of the documentary that talks specifically about Mortal Kombat and Mortal Mm -hmm. Kombat is my like, I love Mortal Kombat with my whole heart. Like it is it is the thing that I have grown up with. I remember seeing my first mortal Kombat cabinet and hearing those sounds from across the, the arcade and then growing up and seeing, you know, all the madness that happened in the Senate and Congress about, you know, how violent it was and all those things. And it was great to see you all dig back into grab, you know, you know, Tobias and and, and crew and like talk to them about that kind of stuff too. Like when, when you kind of went to folks to say like, can you retell your story? What was yeah. the what was the vibe from those folks as well? Cuz I know that they have done that stuff before, but it feels different, mm-hmm. especially because like we don't see in the gaming community gaming stories get to places like Netflix, like to get well, to big platforms like that. So I, I was curious about that too.
1: Well, that's key, right? It's the Netflix thing. So yeah. I think people I mean it's true that um, I I feel like so the gaming community has been has embraced us for sure um and we did not have to do a lot of convincing with many folks to be participating to participate Mm -hmm. because i think for one you know they're creators and they like sharing their story but also because it's for netflix and i think you know um they knew netflix is a huge platform and um and we also tried to sort of pitch it in that like this is really about the people, and and we want to do more than a sit down interview with you. We want to get to know who you are, or you know, film some weird stuff. What are you game for? How do you know? What part of your story do you think that would be fun to share? And, um, and I think, so 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 including them in on the process a little bit, the creative process of how to tell their story, and also the fact that it would be on Netflix, and so they knew that it. You know, would have high production value, really helped. And I have to say, like I, I'm, I'm surprised at how many people wanted to participate, and mm. so pleased with everyone we got. I mean, I just think, um, you know, whether they're somebody who's well known or you know, people like Ryan Best, who a lot of folks have have not heard of him or his game gameplay, before before, but, um, I think they all have interesting stories to tell. I'm so glad that they sort of came together in this one project.
0: Yeah. That Ryan best part was beautiful. That was so well done. It was like, it oh, was like one of those things. Cause again, like the, it's the, when you talk about the production parts of it too, that also really stood out to me as well. The cinematography in this, in this documentary is fantastic. It's beautifully shot, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. as a, as a, as a person who is learning and trying to figure out ways to get better in that space. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, I was one, very jealous because I was like, damn, this looks good. And then two, I was just like, wow, the, the, the way you've mashed up, not only beautiful, like actual filming of, of, you know, Japan and and all those places that you went to, to go get this footage. Um, but it felt like it was very personal to each person too. It felt like you were really cognizant of, of, you know, where their spaces were and how those spaces involved the storytelling and all those kinds of things as well. Did you, did you find that mashing up those different kinds of, uh, uh, bringing the production together with digital assets and then, you know, Mm -hmm. filming in 4k, which really comes through in, in the documentary that that added to, you know, the overall package of, of how this was going to land in, in gamers labs.
1: Yeah. Well when we started out we like we really didn't know what we we're going to end up with. We had a plan. We did a bunch of research. We talked to a lot of people. We came up with the basics of what what our six I'm I'm doing this cuz there was a whiteboard.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and we
1: would on the whiteboard and erase it and move it around and we kind of had the the basic plan for the six episodes and we knew we were going to bring in a lot of different elements we knew we were going to bring in animation um we brought in our amazing co-producer alex miller who uh found all the incredible archive that you saw um we knew that we were going to use 4k cameras so it was going to look beautiful and we have great dps working on this but how it was all going to blend and we also knew that we wanted to include some vfx because Hmm the blurring of the real world versus the video game world and like how those two emerge and the way you step into a game was something we kind of wanted to show visually. How we, we're going to come together the edit, we really didn't have any idea. And it was a little scary at first because we were kind of filming something and not really knowing how it was going to link up in the edit. Um, but we just decided to go for it. And that this is um, a series about creativity. So we were going to have to be creative and and not do the same old, same old, um, and just have faith that we'd be able to pull it together in the end. And I think we just wanted to everything to sort of feel surprising and not a, a rehash of a story you saw two episodes ago that they should live in their own space. And so we just tried to embrace that and say, you know, let's just film the story the way it feels right, and have faith that we'll be able to pull it together and there's no rules for this series. The only rule is that there's no rules and that we have to be interesting. Yeah. We have to film everything in a way that's interesting. So, um and then so we just had to figure it out and edit.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I loved it. I mean, again, the, the 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 one thing I always wonder about shows like these and documentaries like these is one of the best parts of being kind of in on the inside of the video game industry is that everyone has that story of uh, not the mm-hmm. ones that you just automatically hear and the ones that actually make it to the, the final production, but the ones that you, that you never hear or the ones that are kind of just like the ones that didn't make the cut, but they're still fantastic. W- were, were there any of those that happened during production that you got a chance that you can share uh, that, that you remember? Uh, um, no, I, I don't
1: think I can share anything that wasn't included, <laughs> but I will- say the You'll notice that in the Atari section, it's all animated and voiceover, and that's because we we had to tell the story that nobody else would about the hot tub, the hot tub uh, boardroom parties and smoking, <laughs> and all of that. I mean, we we did have a rigorous research process, process, so it's all true, but no one would verify on camera.
0: I love it. I love it. I love it. I mean, again, there, there are some stories that I can't tell either. On, on in that space, so, yeah. I, so I totally understand the, in the industry, yeah. we call it the friend uh is what we call it. Um, so yeah. it's nice to hear that that's a part of, of, of that too. Um, one of the things that I also am curious about is like, I know a lot of times when we see folks kind of make these documentaries or or, or tackle these kinds of subjects, they might not necessarily be gamers themselves. They may not necessarily yeah. be folks who play, uh, in the same ways that a lot of the community does, um, yeah. you know, were, were you already in, in gaming spaces? Did you, I guess the bigger question is, you know, when you came away from this after, you know, doing all the work and knocking it out the park and and, and making it dope, did you, did you also learn stuff or were surprised right. by things as well?
1: So I'm, I'm definitely not a gamer yeah. and that was very intimidating. So, I mean, I've always played video games. So I, I played Atari when I was very young. Um, I remember very clearly getting Nintendo for Christmas when I was maybe like nine or 10, I don't exactly remember, but I remember that it was a clear day outside, it was super sunny. I remember going somewhere else and I could not wait to get home to play Super Mario. Um, I remember being totally addicted to Nintendo and (laughs) sleepovers all week long. Um, And then I remember playing Doom in high school. So like I've I've definitely played games, but I would not call myself a gamer. Um, And it was very intimidating. Um, taking on this project because I know there's a really passionate community of gamers out there who would be looking at this through a microscope and that we wouldn't be able to please everybody. But I also felt like um, I'm really surprised um, I mean I love creativity I love telling stories about people who are creative, creative problem solving and I just love telling stories about people who are interesting Um, and so as soon as France and I started talking about about this project, I just couldn't believe it hadn't really been done in this way before. I mean, during um, research, we watched a lot of things on YouTube and there's certainly a lot out there. um, uh, You know, a lot of sort of background docs on specific games that really go sort of deep in different, different games. Mm. Um, But I felt like a profile of people done in this way in the industry hadn't hadn't been totally done. So that was exciting t- to me to, to sort of explore creativity, and innovation in this industry. Um, and the, the way uh, uh, making a show like this would allow us to sort of break some usual documentary rules. Um, you know, normally, you wouldn't want to blur the line between what's real and what's, you know, between reality and fantasy. Um, but we're able to do it um, right off the bat with the Space invader story and sort of mm. do VFX, bring in um, aliens or, you know, and it just felt like this is an opportunity to really sort of stretch my creative wings a little bit and see what happens. Um, despite the fact that we knew, you know, we had a really high bar to meet in terms of the audience. Um, so, yeah. Um, yeah, and I'm coming away from it having been a casual gamer. Um, I have a whole new respect. I mean, I, I think I've, um, I've always respected video games, but now sort of seeing um, what went in, seeing what a new industry this is, seeing what went into sort of um, creating it, and. Um, the passion and creativity that goes into a game and the thoughtfulness and the mm. game theory, and all that stuff. Um, I really think it's an art form. And um, like so many new art forms, people kind of disregard it as something that's not legitimate um, or something that's bad. Um, and I think it's really for people who aren't sort of um, in touch with the industry, uh, it's so misunderstood.
0: Yeah, it, it is it is one of the I think if you ask most people behind closed doors and most people, you know, on front on front stage, too, they would say that that's one of their most troubling and kind of frustrating parts is that it is a still yeah. very new medium. Um, yeah, I, mean, I think about it in terms of my own life and I'm 42 and it's been for literally pretty much all of my life um, in that space. Um, so it is um, great to see, you know, folks like you and the rest of your team you know, handle it with care in the way that you did and, and, and present it in a way that didn't feel, um, in the ways that we usually see those kinds of stories come out. And, and it was beautiful to see you kind of dig into the, the people and the why and the, how those things kind of affected where we are now in, in, in really good ways. I am hoping, and I'm, I'm crossing my fingers that there is going to be a high score too some, somewhere down the line, because I, again, there, I think there are so many stories that can still be told. And, and, and again, you know, you all did such a fantastic job bringing these stories to life and, and sharing the histories of all the wonderful people who have made it, made this industry real. So again, Melissa, you you all, you and your team did such a fantastic job, massive, massive, massive amounts of props to you all for doing that. If you do a story and you're looking for, uh, wanting to tell us something about black media, I'm just going to say, I'm going to put my hands up like this (laughs) to say, you know, I wouldn't be mad being in a Netflix documentary uh, about all that stuff, but Um, I will say this, this is one thing that I'm hoping for, and I would love to see Mm -hmm. this story be told is my dream. My one hope is that as we have that story about Jerry Lawson be in that space, it is very often that uh, in those conversations about the pioneers of gaming that wind up that were black, there's never really been a story about black women in that space, Mm -hmm. and I'm hoping to see someone do that at some point. Like I'm hoping someone will yeah. figure out the way to find those people and, and have that story be in that space. Yeah. So, so if there, you know, if there is a thing that when you, if you do get the chance to do the second version of this, yeah. uh, again, I would love to see someone tackle that in a real way and, and figure out ways yeah. to find those people too. Um, so again,
1: Yeah.
0: Melissa, thank you so much for for your time. You're, you're thank brilliant. You that. The, that documentary is something that I think will, will last the, te- the, the, the length of time. Um, and, and it's the thing that everyone in Chicago here and all of you at home, uh, should definitely be checking out and paying attention to. So again, Melissa, thank you so much for your time. Uh, we'd love to thank have you. you back and talk about more of your projects whenever those come up, cause uh, you know, again, you do fantastic work and again, thank you so much for hanging out with us today and uh, everybody here at Me.
1: You. Thank you.
0: Yo, so that was our interview with Melissa Wood director of uh high score, the Netflix documentary about the origins of video games and so many aspects of the gaming industry. It was, man, I, I have to say like, it's something that you definitely should go check out. Like if you are looking for something that is um, insightful and, and and taps on nostalgia, uh, especially if you're a little bit older uh, than you have gone through the era of so many of those pieces of the conversation, um, that winds up happening in this documentary. So you, you already magically kind of get transported back into your childhood uh, to be able to see, um, how, how all those things kind of connect to not only the way that you played the games when you were a child, but now seeing just how far we've come uh, in terms of technology and in terms of the space. So, uh, I fully believe, and I say this all the time, uh, you know, we, we live in amazing times when it comes to technology. It is a thing that we have to, you know, sometimes take a step back when you see all the kind of scuttlebutt and and all the fussing that happens on the internet with uh, people getting in their feels about a whole bunch of different stuff. To understand just how far we have actually come in such a small amount of time. So, uh, massive love to Melissa uh, for coming through. Make sure you check out High Score from Netflix. Uh, make sure you lobby Netflix to get us a show on Netflix. <laughs> make that happen and be a thing. Uh, again, I had to shoot my shot. I am I am not gonna not shoot my shot when you have someone who's directed a Netflix movie uh, up in that piece. So you got you got to do it. Um, before we take our break, uh, we're actually we're gonna take a break. Um, but before we do that, again I have to thank the folks over at Team Liquid uh, for supporting us for the month of September. Uh, they have, uh, they are. Uh, going through their first year anniversary for their partnership with Marvel. Again, the gear looks real good on your boy. Look at the gear looking good on your boy. So we're going to go check out this really dope piece of uh, video that they shared to celebrate the uh, first year uh, partnership that they've had with Marvel. Again, you can go to tl.gg slash Marvel or tl.gg slash store. Uh, You can go there, go get some of their gear, check it on out, hit the code spawn. When you get there, you get a discount. You also help Raka out, get some love and support the team. Uh, We're gonna go take a quick look at that video, run a couple of ads. And then right after that, we'll be back with the 411 and what we've been playing.
2: A hero is often thought of as legendary. A figure of divine descent. Someone endowed with great strength or ability. Someone who's admired for courage, outstanding achievements, and noble qualities. For some, the journey seems like it has no end. No light. No more fight to give. It's in those trying times that heroes are born. That champions rise up. That legends are forged. When obstacles turn into opportunities. No matter the circumstance, no matter the journey, there's always one thing that reigns true. A drive to be the best. That's what makes a hero. It doesn't matter how many times you fall. It matters how many times you get backup.
0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to the 411 for episode 352 of the Spawn to Me podcast. There's some really cool stuff happening right now in the gaming space. I think there has been a lot of cool and interesting uh, conversations that have happened in the past 24 to 48 hours, I would say, uh, if you're paying attention to gaming news in a real way. Um, the first story we have up today um, is all about our wonderful friends over at Nintendo uh, sharing some new information in their latest Nintendo Direct. Uh, I would say, I am, again, I will say this out loud. Uh, I, I, I have to figure out the love that Nintendo gets is amazing to me. I understand it from a nostalgia perspective, I understand why people do it, but it boggles my mind that folks are so hype for old shit. All stuff that they wind up getting. I don't understand it people. I know you love you some Mario. I know you understand all that stuff is in that space, but God damn it. If Nintendo don't be getting in y'all behinds, telling y'all the same shit over and over and over again, and everybody's still loving that thing up. I just don't get it. I don't understand it. I don't know why people do it. I wish I understood it in a real way. I just don't get it. The cool thing is, um, and and I guess this is the you know they had a they had a Nintendo Direct they showed a whole bunch of stuff they showed uh, Mario Kart kind of AR VR uh, mashup where you basically can take uh, a real small you know scale cars uh, they have a camera on them you can place uh, a a couple of markers on the ground and um, and then you know through the app and through the, the 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 Switch you'll be able to play Mario Kart like in real life making a track uh in ver- in, in real space in a virtual way that's kind of cool, you know, on the heels of the, you know, Amiibo and, and, and what was the and Labo stuff that they did, So those things were kind of cool. And, and I think that those were a little bit innovative in a, in a way that again, like Nintendo don't give a fuck about the earth. Like, yo, they'd be making stuff and then it's just like, yo, plastic everywhere. We don't care what you're going to do with it. It's just going to magically just go somewhere and disappear. Uh, but it is one of those weird things where I am, I am confused at the level of unbridled fanship or whatever you want to call it, Uh, you know, unbridled, uh, you know, just like we will buy anything that you put out in the world because it's Nintendo, even though we played that thing 7,000 times already. So when they do put something out, that's kind of new, it feels fresh, but they hardly ever do that stuff in a real way. If you think about it, they kind of do it, but they also like will chunk down massive amounts of re you know, rehashed stuff and people just will rock with it. I don't get it. The one thing I did think was a little bit interesting. uh and, and I guess the conversation, let me go back a step. One of the conversations that I heard, uh, besides the, um, besides the, uh, Mario Kart stuff and, um, the battle Royale stuff that they did, um, the game in the game and watch thing, that was the thing that blew my mind. So if you're old enough, you remember that Nintendo first came out with the handhelds that were called game and watches. They were really small LCD, uh, you know, uh, consoles that had like one game in them and you had like nothing else in it really besides that. And it had a watch feature. They're remaking that with a color screen and you can do like the retro version of it with the, the, a couple of games in it. I saw people losing their minds over this shit and I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense to me because again, you're getting a newer version of an old thing that most people don't really care about, but I think people really like Chachkis. People really like small things that they can say they have for collector's items. Then of all the things that they shared, they shared this trailer that I'm going to play real fast. Um, I'm probably just going to talk over it because it just makes sense to talk over it more than anything else. But they shared um, this video of Mario Brothers Battle Royale, 35 players you're playing against in the same way that you would play Tetris 99, whenever someone dies or or other players can then affect your game uh, through the system that they've built. Now, this is kind of cool. This is kind of interesting. I think in terms of gameplay and stuff like this, it's a, it's a really interesting and and different way to do a Mario game. But again, Nintendo botches it by saying you can only play this thing for basically six months. And then it goes away. They've had limited, uh, time, uh, games for a couple of different things they talked about today. And it's playable until the end of March of 2021. What in the hell is that about? What does that even mean? Why would you even do that to people? Will you make a thing that you're going to get people excited about and then snatch it away in a digital format? That is madness. That makes no goddamn sense. I have no clue why you would do that to your user base. But the crazy thing is, is the user base, as much as they complained about it are absolutely going to go do it. They're absolutely going to spend money on this thing, uh, playable, not just purchasable. Playable until three thirty one. You'll be able to buy it, but maybe you won't even be able to play it at the after the end of March thirty uh, March twenty twenty one, which is madness. Like I understand that Nintendo's online stuff is not great and it has a lot of problems in it and it's really not actually online in a real good way. But for them to be like, let's get people super hype, um, and then pull a thing away from you that makes you want to enjoy it or play it or get get down with it that is so stupid it's really really dumb i have i have my own beef with how people engage with nintendo i'm not mad at people for liking nintendo i'm not mad for people having fun with nintendo cuz i think nintendo in the grand scheme does some really interesting and innovative stuff when they when they choose to but Nintendo, of all the companies that we have in terms of the big three, they gee y'all so hard when it comes to uh, treading on your nostalgia, um, making you buy stuff or offering you stuff that you already have four times over. And people blindly will just be like, I, it, it's, I, I like Donkey Kong Country. I like Mario, whatever the hell, Galaxy 2, Galaxy 1. And people will still kick out money for it. I literally just don't understand it. It makes me so mad that to see people get robbed in, in in broad daylight, the way that people get robbed with that joint. It is nuts. The fact that people, people do that and still rock with it. No clue, no clue, no idea why, no idea why you would do that to yourselves. No idea why you want that to be a thing. Uh, I don't get it don't get it at all totally getting robbed in, in, in broad daylight I don't get it but I will say again you know Nintendo continues to figure out ways to make people spend money that they don't really want to spend and really don't need to spend uh, so it's, it's madness I, I I don't get it and I will for all of my days I will not understand why that's a thing for sure uh second up Second uh, story of today uh, is all about NVIDIA. NVIDIA just dropped info on three of their new video cards. If you got a chance to watch the press, uh, the presser, uh, Jensen came out on, uh, not on stage. He came out in his kitchen, which was dope. He had the like devil's advocate, uh, like devil's advocate wall painting as the uh, backsplash for his, for his kitchen. I was like, yo, what kind of stove are you cooking on? You cooking it with hellfire directly? Like what kind of of madness is this, is this backsplash on your your kitchen and oven? First of all, there were mad spatulas in it. I've never seen a person need that many spatulas in their life. How many spatulas do you actually need to cook a thing? That is madness. I have no idea how that works, but the thing that killed me was Fam brought out one, the 3080 card, which uh, he pulled out from behind some spatulas. That Jim was hiding in plain sight. I was like, yo, he got spatulas right behind his, he had a 3080 beautiful card right behind his spatulas, which was madness. <laughs> and then he pulled the big mamajama jamma 3090 out of his oven. I was wilding out. Thank you for everybody, by the way, who came by and watched the stream uh, when I co-streamed it the other day, uh, cause we are a GeForce partner. So thank you. Thank you everybody for coming through and, and, and spreading love there. But I say this, all those things aside, all jokes aside, um, I am very excited as a PC player to jump back into the conversation around, uh, you know, the new 30, the 30 series cards. I saw a lot of people upset about if you were a 2080 TI owner, how basically you need to throw your card out the window now, because the 3080 card is basically twice as good as your current 2080 uh, TI card. That's kind of nuts. If you want to think about that in a real way, because again, you figure the 3080 was, you know, I'm sorry, the 2080 TI was about two years old at this point. It's probably a little bit, a little bit over that. Um, again, that was like the flagship card, unless you bought a Titan RTX card, uh, which was like $2,500 at that point. Um, but the new 30 series cards are going to kick ass. So 3080 card, uh, I'm sorry, the 3070 card, I'm looking at prices right now will cost around 500 bucks, which is madness. Um, uh, let's see, let's see, let's see. So the 3070, which they said is faster than the RTX 2080 TI, which debuted at 1200 bucks will cost you $500. The, uh, let's see the 3080, uh, which is going to be around 700 bucks. And then the 3090, which has 24 gigs of VRAM on it will uh, come out around September 24th at 1500 bucks. The beef now between AMD and NVIDIA is going to be really interesting because now AMD was always the company that could say, we have fairly cheap cards. You don't have to think about it that hard. You know, you'll get a really good return on your value or return on your money because these cards are, are, are pretty robust and they do pretty well in that space. NVIDIA was like, yo, F that. Uh, we come in through with a pipe, with a price drop, more powerful cards. And they are gorgeous. They are beautiful looking cards. Like from a design standpoint, from an engineering standpoint, they look pretty. Like the one thing about AMD cards is they are not cute. AMD cards are not pretty. Uh, they look kind of rough. Uh, when you look at them, uh, the conversation about the airflow also, cause, uh, T, uh, TDH in the, in the chat uh, talked about that. I'll have more information about, you know, some of the things from the Nvidia showcase next week. We can't talk about it yet because, uh, still under embargo. Uh, but I saw some stuff today, uh, as of this taping on eight on nine, three, uh, that I can't talk about until, um, next week. But, um, there is some pretty sweet information that they shared about multiple things about the cards. Um, hopefully, I'll be able to snag those videos once they're on the press site. Pull them down and then share more information about some of that stuff a little bit later. But the main takeaway from all this stuff is that the 30 series cards. I don't know what I have to do. I'm getting one of those bad boys. I don't care. I I'm, I have a 2080 Ti right now. Does really well. I've been playing a shit ton of uh, Marvel Avengers. All everything capped out at high on on. I think I'm playing it on 4k after go back and, and double check and, and, and make sure. But the interesting part about all that conversation was again, everyone getting mad about their 2080 TI is freaking out. And then weirdly people were trying to compare the new cards, new GPUs to the new uh, next gen consoles and being like, Oh, well, this kills all the consoles. And I was like, well, this has nothing to do with the consoles. Like this has absolutely nothing to do with the consoles. So please stop making those weird unreasonable Uh, uh, comparisons because they don't make sense and they don't really make any real matter in in any of the stuff that we see in terms of conversations around the next-gen systems. Yes, they will not be as powerful as the newest GPUs that you have coming out because one, those machines have been specced out probably three or four years ago. You know, the Xbox series X and the PS five probably specced out gear wise, probably three to four years ago there's no way that they're ever going to be able to catch up with GPUs because GPUs are modular. You can pop them in and out and GPUs are going to be easier to upgrade anyway from a PC uh, perspective. So please stop making that unreasonable uh, comparison because it's kind of dumb. So don't do that. Uh, That doesn't make any sense. Um, So uh, I will also say um, that once we get more information about the uh, NVIDIA broadcast stuff, which uh, was actually really interesting. I think takeaways from the show that I thought were the most uh, important was one, they talked about their machinima, uh, um, machinima software that will let you build out and, and, and make uh, very cool stuff um, from a, a, a graphic standpoint, from a, a building worlds standpoint. Um, the no green screen stuff that they had uh that is basically going to kill vcam in a real way uh that is going to be really interesting uh the uh the, what was the other thing the um rtx voice which was a thing that was only in beta for a small period of time is now bundled into the uh nvidia broadcast software which i think again is a is a huge win for anyone who has to you know, who makes content, if you make content in a noisy place. Um, Right currently, right now, I have a gate on my microphone, but there's a fan running at pretty high rate. Um, I'm not sure if people at home can hear it, Uh, but that stuff usually gets pulled out in post or, or whatever. But for the most part, you don't really hear that stuff that much. But RTX Voice, when I had a chance to use it, was brilliant. Like I had full on air conditioner noises happening and that thing did not, you could not hear it in any of the broadcasts that we were doing. So it's, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty cool. What Nvidia is, is doing right now. Um, it's, it's, it's pretty astounding the things that they're bringing to the gaming uh, public. Oh, the other thing that they talked about that was actually crazy was the, uh, the 8k gaming and the conversation around, uh, system latency that they were kind of working in through their new line of monitors. I saw some stuff today that I can't talk about yet. Yo, that stuff is dope. Some of those things, some of the conversations that they had, I have been working on at my actual job stuff. That's not, not that's not like bad knowledge to know, but like one of the things I've been doing in the past couple of years has been testing latency on different kinds of things um, from a hardware perspective, from a network perspective. And I think, you know, some of those conversations are super cool just because from a gaming perspective, it lets you understand just where, you know, deficiencies can be in some of those places. Um, so really cool stuff coming out of Nvidia. Again, they are, they are killing it right now and doing some really, really brilliant stuff for sure. Uh, last story in the 411 for this week is all about, uh, Ubisoft outing the PS5. Uh, there was a conversation and a FAQ that happened this week where, uh, Ubisoft shared some information about the PS five, not having backwards compatibility past the PS four. So that means you don't get anything in the PlayStation, PlayStation two or PlayStation three. Now the scuttlebutt was around. Did uh, PlayStation ever basically say that you were going to get backwards compat past the PS four? The, 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 the answer is no, they never said clearly you're going to be able to get, um, you know, PS, PS4, uh, you know, PS3 and, 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 and backward compatibility compatibility. Um, I think this is a problem though. Right. So one of the things we've seen in terms of conversations that was always a little bit iffy and not great was one, we still don't understand how next-gen, um, uh cross saves and cross gen stuff is gonna work it's always it's kind of still in a bad spot in terms of the way that the conversation has gone. It puts into light again the conversation we had earlier about Nintendo stuff where their gaming uh ecosystem will make you pay for backwards compatibility for the most part. um it's rare that you get that stuff for free in in a real way um and backwards compatibility in general being a thing that people say they care about, but do they actually care about it right? I think now out of all the generations that we've seen, this generation is going to be one where you care a lot more about backwards compat because the timing between generations is so much shorter. So for a a system like a PS five, where most of my gaming has been done on in the PS in the PS4 uh, platform, I want all that stuff to work. The reason why I don't care about backwards compatibility is because um, it's more about hardware than it's about software. If you were to make backwards compat work well, you know, I throw my PS3 disc in my PS5, it reads it and somehow understands that I digitally, digitally own this thing, rips it down, maybe to my hard drive and then I can play it. I'd be perfectly fine with that. I would love backwards compat if they figured out a good way to either embed that in the hardware, which they talked about possibly doing on the new AMD chips that they that they had. Mark Cerny said that it was a possibility of being able to do that thing. I just wonder if they're actually going to come through with it and they're just not saying it now so that when they drop it as a bombshell, then everyone can freak out. But the problem is you don't really get to win that debate because Xbox already said they're going to do it with their console anyway. So it's like, it's good for people who are in that ecosystem for sure, but it's not really big news once the other team has already said that they're going to do it. Uh, so for them to not actually understand what's happening in that on the ecosystem and being able to share that out in a good way is also a problem for them. Um, I just don't think that they have nailed that messaging at all in any actual way. And they need to, they need to nail that stuff down because a lot of people are still trying to figure out, you know, which way they're going to lean. Uh, and it feels like the winner to be honest is, uh, (laughs) is, is PC. Uh, the PC is going to win at this point uh, more than anybody else, uh, looking forward towards the way this thing is winding up going. So, um, it's going to be really cool to see when they finally come out and say what they're going to be able to do. Um, I am, I am hoping that we find out a price soon because I want to know how much money I'm going to wind up spending on my next gen console. Um, it's just at this point, you kind of just need to know, so you can budget for what you need to budget for. It would be nice to be able to do that in a real way. Um, and again, you know, it feels like other people are getting out information about their system that doesn't feel good for them. Like there's no way Ubisoft, Ubisoft should have been able to tell anybody about some of that stuff that's happening. Um, you know, I heard information when I had a conversation with the dope folks from Astros about how some of their ecosystem works. Uh, we'll be talking about them in an upcoming show as well. Uh, once we get some of their kid in, cause they're doing something actually, pretty dope when it comes to uh cross-gen compatibility. I think I can talk about it really fast. Basically the newest headsets that they're gonna have from Astros, uh, if you buy a specific one for a platform, suppose you buy the Xbox version of their headset and you wanna play on your PS4 I and mean, PS5 uh, with that headset. In previous generations, you had to buy two base stations to, to, to basically do that. You could use it and basically take one, take the headset, and put it on each one and it would sync because each one was directly connected to the console. Now what Astro is doing, which is brilliant, mad shout out to Astros is they have, they will have a dongle that you will be able to use, plug that into each system. Cause you'll get one with the, uh, whichever system you buy. And then you can buy the other one for the other system you have for like 20 bucks, plug that in and then automatically, your headset will have not only, uh, you know, your wireless connectivity, but it will have and use the features of each one of those consoles. Brilliant stuff. It's super cool. Uh, we have to get those folks on the show soon to talk more about the, the hardware side of that thing, but it's, it's pretty dope the way that they have done that. It's really looking out for the consumer in a big way. And I, and, I, and I'm super excited to see that they're like, making the dongles like cheap and they're not expensive and it's going to be, you know, it's going to work really well. It's going to be fun to be able to see how that stuff is going to work. So, um, we're done for the news for this week. Again, it was a lot of stuff to talk about lots of stuff to get into before we get up out of here for this episode. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about what we have been playing. So this week, uh, it's all about one game, basically. We all know which game that is. <clears throat> Excuse me, we all know which game that is. Uh, the Avengers is the game of the week. Uh, I have been playing a crap ton of it uh, all over the place that I can. Um, it is super, super good. I am way more impressed with that game uh, than I expect it to be. I think it is going to be fantastic uh, for folks who are, Huge Marvel fans. Again, we're rocking the Marvel gear now. It just feels fitting to be say to be talking about uh, how much Marvel stuff we've been able to play uh, over the years. Uh, over the year, um, uh, the thing that I'm finding to be the most interesting about this game is, and, I, and mind you, I'm still kind of digging through the beginning parts of the campaign, but the focus on Kamala Khan is brilliant. It is it is super 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 fun in that way. Um, I really like the way that they have used her, um, in this game. I like the fact that they have figured out ways to, uh, make her feel smart and to make her feel like she's a part of the team in a real way. Uh, it's, it's super cool to see, you know, all the conversations around what she's bringing to the table in terms of representation, uh, really dope to be able to feel like you're learning about her character in a, in a lot of different ways. And it's just nice to be able to see her interactions with the rest of the team. Um, and, and I'm having a blast with it so far. Um, I'm I'm excited to dig into when you kind of get through the campaign and then you're able to kind of do the multiplayer stuff and then get more access to the rest of the team. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. I am a little bit worried. I will I will totally say uh, I'm worried that it's going to wind up being a grind fest and and, you know, getting gear and all that stuff is going to be a little bit of a pain in the butt. I'm still a little bit worried about the, the, the potential for monotony within the game because it's gonna be probably co- uh, repetitive unless they actually can figure out ways to um, keep that content fresh. Um, and I'm also a little bit worried about the, the economy system. There are way too many economy systems within this game for you to wrap your brains around. Um, and I don't know yet how that stuff is gonna feel. Um, and microtransactions are definitely gonna be a thing um, in the game. And it already is like, I'm seeing in the store as the first thing I went to was, to, was to go into the marketplace and to see what was kind of being offered. And, and there are things on this that I am a little bit worried about. Like one, you can buy, like you have an ultimate move or like a hero move. You can like get alternates of those hero moves. It seems like you can pay for, I may maybe misquoting that or mis mis misrepresenting that, but they were like moves that were in that thing. That was a little bit weird. Uh, of course the cosmetics were in that thing, which was, which was also a little bit, a little bit nuts. Um, uh, so there, there were small things in that space that were, um, that were pretty weird in that way. Um, I don't know how to reconcile those bits, uh, first. Um, but I do think that one of the things that we do see, that's going to be pretty interesting is just not only how they handle some of that stuff, but how frequent the community is going to check out and engage with it and figure out how to, um, you know, bark back at Crystal Dynamics about things that they're getting wrong um, and give good feedback to the team so that we see, you know, just how well they're going to be able to uh, readjust if things feel like they're kind of out of place, which I think is going to be the most important uh, aspect of all of this is to see just how they actually like react to uh all of that stuff happening um so it, that that's gonna be you know a huge deal it's gonna be a really big thing to pay attention to especially if you're paying attention to the game itself I want to play with a whole bunch of folks the fam snowbike Mike just came through with a big fat raid thank you mad uh snowbike mike uh I want to be playing with him I want to be playing with all the all the folks from kinda funny Especially folks in the in the in the Brakago Spawning Community, I'm playing on PC and I'm playing on PS4. I'm balancing my time. I'm trying to figure out where I'm gonna kind of main my game because I don't know if there's gonna be a bunch of people actually playing on PC. But I wanted to check it out there because it's really pretty. It is gorgeous on PC. It's running really well on my PC as well at Ultra on 4K. Um, so I'm able to play that in the highest fidelity that I possibly can for now. Uh until I get that 3090, baby. You know I'm mean? gonna play that joint joy like 7,000 P, son. It's gonna be dope. Anyway. Um again. Really excited about what I what I'm playing. Uh, really excited for what is gonna possibly come. Really excited at the leaks that they talked about with Black Panther coming and a whole bunch of other stuff. Uh so <laughs> there's a lot of stuff um in that in that in that space for us to be excited about in there. Uh next week. Um, there's a couple of things before we get up out of here. Uh, I'm playing currently right now through NBA 2k, uh, 21 just downloaded that. So I'm checking that out, uh, this evening and in th- this weekend. Um, what else is happening? Spawn for good is happening. Um, on the 19th and 20th of the month, uh, spawn for good is going to be happening. Um, there. So if you want to do, uh, want to rock with us to Spawn for Good, we're going to be supporting the folks over Vote riders again. Uh, we're going to be doing work with them uh, to fight voter disenfranchisement, uh, and they are the folks who are going to be helping people get their IDs so they can go vote and be a part of the political process uh, in this space. Spawn for Good shirts soon. Spawn for Good shirts are coming soon. I haven't put the I haven't put the designs up uh, TDH in the chat asked about that. So if you want to participate, I think we might actually have our roster full Snowback. Mike, if you want to come rock with us for Spawn for good, let me know. Uh, we'd love to have you. Um, so again, we'll be doing that from the 19th and 20th on the 19th, especially we're going from 10 to 10, 10 AM to 10 PM Pacific standard time. Uh, we're going to have a bunch of folks that we're going to be talking about and sharing who's going to be rocking with us. Some big name folks are going to be coming through and representing pretty well for us there. Um, so that's going to be fantastic. Big shout out to the fam black Oni again, check out uh, TD. Can you give him a shout out to, to black Oni, um, uh, in the chat somewhere, uh, black Oni came through and did some dope new emotes for us. This is the spawn on me Khalif side eye emote. It is so good. It's so good. It's so good. I love it. I love it. I love it. Oh, it's so fire. It's so fire. It's so fire. Uh, he did a really dope joint about Bracago. He did our Bracago emote. He also did, of course, he had to do a dope emote. Uh, because that is just what you need to do to make happen. Um, again, super, super cool to have that in the space as well. Um, again. If you are paying attention to the cool stuff we're doing, make sure you hit us up and, and and rock with that Reebok sponsorship. We got a cool bunch of stuff going on right there. And again, massive love, massive, massive love to our friends over at team liquid for supporting Bercago, supporting spawn on me and, and sponsoring our show for the month of September, bringing you dope stuff like the Marvel collection, bringing you dope stuff uh, like uh, that, that they have just across their apparel line has been super, super cool, uh, to be able to see them, uh, rock with us and, and, and build some dope bridges in here with us. So, um, massive love to Blackoni go support him. He's a fantastic artist, uh, making really cool stuff happen for sure. Um, for now, uh, we're going to get up out of here for this episode. Um, two other things. Oh, really quick. The September 13th, <clears throat> excuse me, September 13th for PAX, uh, online. Uh, you may want to check out, uh, I think it's happening around seven 15 PST. Uh, there's going to be a black and gaming award show, uh, that's going to be running during PAX online. And if you check that out, you may see a familiar face doing some hosting over on that end of the spectrum. So make sure you go check that thing out, shout that out as well. You'll see me posting things about that soon as well. So again, big things are happening in Burkago. We have lots of stuff moving, lots of stuff going on. Um, it's, it's going to be a bunch of fun. Uh, all of us hanging out and doing cool stuff in, in the next couple of weeks, pushing through September, hitting October, trying to make good things happen, trying to make big things happen. Um, and that's all because of all of you at home. You are the lifeblood of this community. You are the lifeblood of the show. Uh, all the stuff that gets done gets done on behalf of giving you great content and bringing you fun things to, 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 to rock with and to, and to, and to do uh, cool things with and experience. So, um, again, massive love to all of you. Uh, the reason I push so hard is because all of you are so dope and you spent, you, and you spend so much time checking out the content and, and giving love to me online that it, that it, it just feels good to be able to do that work with you. So until then, until next week, uh, we will see you all very, very soon stick around after the show. We're going to raid someone. Uh, and give them some love that Snowback might pass on to me. But for everybody in podcast land, everybody in Twitch land, everybody listening at home around the world, around the planet, much love to you all. And we say peace.